Grassroots Community Network is now available to podcast. Enjoy all your favorite programming, whether you are making the commute to or from work, enjoying a jog through the mountains, or just hanging around the house. And don't forget that Grassroots offers over 4,000 shows on demand on our webpage, www.grassrootstv.org. Simply use the search tool in the upper right corner to locate your content. There are many ways to connect with your community. For podcasts, visit our homepage on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. All direct links, including a direct link to subscribe to our RSS feed, can be found under the search bar on our homepage. And remember, you are Grassroots Community Network. Please consider contributing by visiting our website at www.grassrootstv.org or by calling us at 970-925-8000. Thank you. Good evening, Basalt, and welcome to the Election Issues and Candidates Forum, sponsored by the Basalt Chamber of Commerce. I'm Charlie Spickert. This is Kathy Markle. will be sharing the moderator duties with me tonight. We're the chair and vice chair of the, the uh, board of directors of the Chamber of Commerce. I need to thank a few people, uh, in particular Grace Community Church, or Grace Church of the Roaring Fork Valley, uh, and in particular, Am Amber Alexander for helping us uh, make this available to us tonight. Um, also, we have a number of sponsors who uh, gave us a donation in order to defray some of the costs of putting on the program tonight. The uh, Basalt Downtown Business Association, Touchstone Business Advisors, Willits Town Center, Myers & Company, Architectural Metals, Alpine Bank, and the Bank of Colorado. And finally, I'd like to thank um, uh, both Robin and Missy, uh, nothing, none of the programs that we do with the Chamber happen without their direct involvement and support. So please thank all of the people uh, that made this possible. So we would also like to thank all of you for attending this event. The Chamber is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization, and while we never endorse a specific candidate, we are directly involved in shaping the important issues that keep our community strong, or at least we hope we are. The Chamber wants everyone to vote, and we want everyone to know that his or her vote counts. And we want voters to be informed, and while we recognize that some of you are not able to vote in this particular election. You are part of the community in the fabric of basalt. You uh, have influence over the town council, and the town council represents you just as well. And we'd also like to thank Tracy Bennett, also one of our board members, who is going to be doing some timing tonight. And I think that you will find some lighter moments in some of our timing um, apparatus. All right, tonight's, <laughs> tonight's forum is being uh, filmed by Grassroots TV. It will be rebroadcast a number of times over the next couple of weeks, starting at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, there will also be a link on their website, which is grassrootstv.org. So you can direct your friends or review uh, anything that happens tonight by going directly to their, their site. 
This is, because it's a TV program, we've only got two hours. So there's a large number of candidates and a limited uh, amount of time. Uh, so each one of the candidates have agreed to be filmed individually to answer some additional questions, which will be edited into a virtual forum. That will also be made available, a link to that will be made available so that anybody can download it from a YouTube channel, watch it online, watch it on your mobile devices, uh, et cetera. So if you have questions that don't get answered tonight, or don't get asked and answered, uh, there are question cards that Robin has uh, and are, are out on the counter as well that you can fill out. You can also email me directly at uh, boardchair at basaltchamber.com. You can post it on the Facebook page, which is uh, Basalt CO Community page. Page. On Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. Or you can just get your question to Robin or Missy, and they'll get it, get it to me. So here's the format for tonight. Kathy and I are going to present questions to the candidates. They will have about a minute and a half to respond. And so for context, you all maybe watched the Academy Awards this uh, past weekend. The average acceptance speech was 45 seconds. So we're giving them twice the amount of that time to answer the questions. So they should have, be able to put together a pretty good answer within that time. And it'll help get us move it along and, and be able to ask uh, and answer more questions. We'll also rotate uh, so that each person doesn't answer first all the time. It'll be, they'll answer first or last at various times. So candidates, relax. You know, it's just a, a conversation with, with friends in your community. You have the questions in front of you. Um, it's a little late. <laughs> uh, no purpose. matter what you say, there'll probably be some people who agree and some people who just don't, don't agree. Uh, the, the caucuses were last night. We had 40% uh, for Hillary and 60% for Bernie. And so even the Democrats don't agree, and we won't talk about the Republicans. So um, just relax. It'll be easy, like a walk in the park. Oh, I mentioned that word. Okay. <laughs> Kathy, go ahead. All right, audience, we don't expect you to sit there silently for the next couple of hours, but please be cordial in any responses, um, endorsements, and things that you might wish to uh, use your applause for. And so now we're going to start with the candidate introductions. We have two candidates for mayor, appropriately on the outside edges here, and we have six candidates for town council. You will notice that we are short one candidate, Katie Schwarer had a conflict tonight. She is on the board of directors of the Crown Mountain Recreation District, and she was previously elected to that position, and they have a meeting this evening, and she really felt duty-bound to go to that meeting. She will, however, be a part of the virtual forum that is being recorded, that will be recorded after this event, taking into consideration additional comments or questions that you might have. All right, so we are going to give two minutes to each of the candidates to introduce themselves. And also, what we'd like you to say in your introduction is, of course, why are you seeking this office? And as we said, we're going to mix up who goes first, and we're going to start with Auden. Great. All right, thank you all for, was this live? Can you hear me? Thank you all for coming tonight. You know, I was looking at, uh, the elections in the past, 
and I felt there wasn't a lot of choice of candidates. And I don't think that's healthy for a democracy. So I said, we should have more people run. And then I thought, yeah, more people should run. Then I thought, am I that person? And for 10 years or so, I've been raising small children. And I haven't really had the time to do this. But I, I do feel an obligation to participate in the community. And I'm really interested in these issues. So I said, I'll run. Uh, it's difficult work. The people who have been on council in the past do this hard and often boring and stressful work. And we owe them a debt of gratitude. And I'm here to offer another option. Uh, the second reason uh, beyond obligation that I'm here is that there's some really exciting issues going on in basalt right now. And basalt can become by far the coolest town in the West. It's already almost there. But there's some things we can do, and I think we can do it in a respectful, uh, common sense way that brings everyone to the table that will make us unbelievable. These include redeveloping the Clark's parcel, coming to some consensus on pan and fork. And a lot of the ideas I have don't cost any money at all. Like, what if you could walk from downtown across to across by Alpine Bank through an alley? Maybe we can broker that. Just that at no cost would increase the quality of the town. So I look forward to this. If I were elected, I can guarantee one thing. I would have a great time. I like and respect basically everyone I know in town. I like and respect the existing town council and the candidates who are running. And it'll be fun. And you'll notice that I'm having fun. Thank you. Good sound. <laughs> Next is Leroy Durox. Well, thanks to the chamber for organizing this forum and thank all of you for coming and being interested in what's gonna happen in, in the future. Um, I would appreciate the opportunity to serve the community I've loved and worked hard in the past to make the best place there is to live and to raise a family. Uh, I've lived in the Salt area since 1963. And uh, my wife and I have uh, raised two fine children, and uh, we have one grandson now. So the future of uh, of uh, Durox being in the valley is still here. So um, <clears throat> my experience, knowledge, and commitment, and historical background ensure that I'm ready to make decisions that have the most benefit for the future of, the, of basalt. I've invested many hours in river master plan, pedestrian connections, affordable housing, redevelopment of the Pan and Fork property, economic development, and senior housing and water issues. I believe the town council needs to focus on the following issues, getting the budget to balance revenues and expenditures and a healthy reserve, finance and construct a pedestrian underpass at Highway 82, determine the appropriate ratio of park and development at Pan and Fork that will correct, create the best economic stimulus for our downtown, historic downtown, and get it done. The need for affordable living in the next generation, for the next generation, that includes housing, child care needs, a need for alternate options for senior citizens, housing, extended care. We have 
really no facilities or no programs for um, seniors, and I think we're all getting a little older. Um, maintaining and improving infrastructure as sidewalks, pedestrian connections, and traffic circulations. All right, Rob. Four years ago, I, did, I introduced myself as an Aspen Highlands ski instructor, a general contractor, a father, and a guy who may have told you to slow down if you're driving too fast on Willits. Now, four years later, I know the difference between an IGA and a UGB, between an MOU and a URA, between a Lomer and a Clomer, and a TIF and a RISD. But I'm running for re-election to town council because the future of basalt looks so promising and so exciting. We're getting jobs downtown with our RMI and SKIKO, maybe, um, maybe Backbone Media, Pitkin County's coming down for two years. The schools are doing great. They have improving facilities. We're looking at teacher housing. We have Letitia Ingram, the Colorado Teacher of the Year. And the environment downtown in Basalt looks great too. We're getting new parks along the river, finally, in downtown Basalt. It's exciting. I want to make sure it happens. I'm Rob Levitt, and I approve that message. <laughs> OK. Jennifer. Hi, I'm Jennifer Riffle. And I'm very excited as well about the future of Basalt. And likewise with Auden, about the prospect of there being some variety in our candidates and variety in our representation. And I'm here to represent the 30-somethings, uh, the, the up-and-coming, and the, the first-time homeowners of Basalt. And with that, I would like to stay in Basalt. And my husband and I are definitely going to. And so that's part of leading Basalt towards a future we're really psyched on in 30 years to call our community that still has the small town character. Our small town character is what has drawn me to this area and this town. And that's something that, uh, that we have in our hands. And it's something that I would like to represent and listen and hear what, 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 what's important to all of you and what do you envision it to be, along with listening to our design professionals, all of our consultants that see and know what the future is. Um, and so that's, that's me. Herschel? Uh, hi. I'm, uh, I'm Herschel Ross. Uh, I've been a family dentist in the Valley for a little over 36 years. Um, uh, during that time, I was a town councilman for Snowmass Village. I was a Pickin County Commissioner, and now I've had four years on the Town Council of Basalt. It's always interesting to me uh, on those boards and the nonprofit boards that I've been on what your role is, you know, what, how you function in that group. And I was thinking about it the other day, and it dawned on me that if uh, the Town of Basalt was a Star Trek episode, I was Spock. 
And this was a difficult thing for me to deal with because Spock was never my favorite character. In the first place, he never got the gorgeous alien girl. Never. And also, he was always saying things that you really sometimes didn't want to hear, that weren't the popular things to hear, but they were the logical things and the sensible things. It was always Captain. It would be illogical to open fire on the Klingons right now because the consequences inevitably would be. But that's a role that has to be played on the town council. The, uh, actually, something I like about the Vulcans is they always have an uh, overarching principle. And my overarching uh, uh, principle is that basalt should be a wonderful place to live for working people who can raise their families here, who can get a job here, maybe even own a business here. And uh, the, um, every vote, everything that comes before you, you have to hold up to that and see is it moving you towards that goal or away from it. Okay, so I'm never going to get the beautiful alien girl. But Starship Basalt needs a Spock <laughs> for four more years. That was great. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that. Okay, Rick, pull that microphone over. Pull the microphone over. Good evening. Thank you for coming. Uh, my name is Rick Stevens. Um, it was about 20 years ago, almost to the day that I was on vacation and got a phone call and was appointed mayor um, after being elected in 94. Real quickly, to Auden's point, um, the group that got elected were three ski bums and a couple other guys. and There were only five people running for six seats in an empty town hall. We thought we'd stir things up and get things going. And in 1996, there was 11 people running for, for those seats. So we did manage to re-engage the citizens, which was one of our goals. Um, I think that people that run for these offices have something in their DNA, or they actually were influenced by someone while they grew up that was giving back to the community. And I worked for a guy at the stake pit about 40 years ago who started Aspen Junior Hockey and was chairman of PNZ and president of the school board. And I saw how much uh, enjoyment and pleasure and, and those kinds of things that he got from serving the community. And I guess it rubbed off. Uh, my wife and I had a discussion about this and, and um, she said, well, if you're going to do this, I want you to make sure that you take this task to hand and your job is to reach out a hand and seek compromise and leave it better than you found it. And that's my intent. The other thing as we were surfing around trying to find some reasons to do this is JFK said it pays pretty good and you could walk to work. So I'm only a couple blocks from town hall and I'm retiring and uh, I could use the extra bucks. No. But seriously, uh, I enjoy it. I'm, I agree with Auden. I agree with a lot of people that this can be a fun job, and I'm willing to take the time and put the energy into it that it deserves. Thank you. Must be me. Must be you. The W is always last. Um, thanks, everybody, for coming. I feel a deep sense of commitment to the people and to the town of Basalt. As mayor and before that a member of Basalt Council, I have opposed rampant growth where costs to the community were too high. The costs of unbridled growth are felt in traffic impacts, negative effects on our downtown economic viability, and above all in loss of our small town character. 
Instead of, I've, I've always fought for basalt-style growth, growth at a smart, thoughtful pace. I have supported incremental, small-scale growth against developments I felt to be too massive in size and scale. The citizen survey bears out a shared belief in this approach. My feeling is that growth needs to be thought out, planned, considered in a way that allows us to remain a small, livable community, a community that values its citizens first. Imagine a basalt where we have economic and job growth without growing so large we forget the attributes that brought us here in the first place. We have businesses in basalt that support a number of employees without covering acres of land or rising high above our town. We should encourage that going forward. We should encourage businesses that are family owned. We should encourage business growth that adds to our culture and our prosperity. We need to imagine smaller business spaces and shun the big box culture that so many de developers would have us embrace. This will allow our small business owners or prospective small business owners to get a toehold rather than being pushed out by the big guys. Rocky Mountain Institute, Rowing for Conservancy, home businesses, um, like that, I envision for the future of our town. We also want events, recreation, and the arts in our downtown in Willits. It is essential to pumping up vitality and energy in our mid-valley. It is critical that we continue to invest in community events, the arts, and recreation. This should be our focus. As mayor, I will continue to be transparent, open, and responsive. My vote will always be for slow growth, parks, trails, open space, affordable housing, childcare, education, and protection of our small town <coughs> uniqueness. Perfect, well-timed. <laughs> so, great things are happening in Basalt. Um, RMI's Innovation Hub is here. The uh, Ski Co's coming to town. Uh, as people talked about, Willits continues to expand. Um, but so we want to continue that moment momentum. We want to, don't want to take two steps forward and one step back. So the, the question for you now is, what methods and incentives should the town council use to retain existing businesses and attract new businesses to all the commercial centers of Basalt? And we'll start with Leroy. Well, in all the years that I've been on town council, it's, the big issue has been uh, the success of the businesses in, in the old town especially is we need to draw in more people. Uh, people are going to make the uh, businesses successful. And one of those ways is to, to incorporate into the downtown is a hotel that, that would, would, uh, would encourage people that may uh, be vacationing in Aspen to consider basalt instead of that uh, Aspen. Um, I think also um, some of the rules and regulations that are in effect, in, especially in Old Town, are kind of uh, putting down the, the redevelopment of some of the older buildings that could be more utilized in a, in a better way, be more attractive. Um, but I, I think the key to the success of, of all of our commercial business in town is, uh, is generating uh, people uh, that can uh, take use as services and, and and products and and also it's important that um, people are able to shop locally and and have a variety of options to uh, 
to consider uh, when they are shopping. All right, Rob. Mr. Lovett. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I've considered some kind of tax incentive to bring new businesses to town, but that's not really, feel, that's not really fair to the old businesses in town. The best thing we can do as a community to bring businesses to downtown and people to Basalt is to have great schools. If we have schools here that people seek out, want to come to, they'll want to keep their families in town, they'll want to have businesses in town. The schools are getting better and we're heading in that direction and it's going to end up very well for Basalt. Um, we can also sell our lifestyle. We have um, two gold medal trout streams, we have easy access to the best skiing in the world, we have a world-class trail system that goes both up and down the valley. Those are the kind of things that are going to make people want to live in Basalt and they're going to want to have their businesses where they live. I'm brief. Fair Go enough. Ahead, Jeff. I, Can I? <laughs> Likewise, I'm brief, like Rob. Uh, when it comes down to uh, incentives uh, the town of Basalt uh, could do to retain businesses, um, I see. The reality of, of basalt is our finances are very tied to sales tax. And that's what funds a majority of what happens in basalt is through our, t our sales tax stream. So reducing sales tax, that's not so realistic because that's our lifeblood. One thing that we could do is that is starting to happen is have more businesses, office buildings, um, like SkiCo, um, like Pitkin County government, and make this, like RMI, a place that employees that live in the Mid Valley are here. And so they walk for lunch after their work at five o'clock, they go and pick up dinner somewhere. Um, wow, super fast. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's, that's what I envision there, is allowing bringing more businesses to the area, and that way it's going to feed off of each other. Um, we have three sources of, of, um, of revenue or getting things done. We have sales tax, we have property tax, and we have um, a mitigations or exactions from um, a development. Uh, the first thing we need to hold up to that overarching, uh, uh, overarching principle is if we raise property taxes, are, are we moving towards our goals? And it's important, uh, it's important to remember that yes, we have a lot of, of, of struggling businesses, we have a lot of empty s storefronts, and the last thing we need is more property taxes. So saying we can just go out and do this and do that and do a bond, and it's all gonna be good, and we'll just raise taxes, is not logical, Captain. You know, saying that um, uh, you know, we have a kick-ass land use code. Uh, we can choose what development happens here. If it's not good, we can tell them no. But we have carrots also. 
with RMI, with the River Conservancy building. We helped them through the process and we brought more businesses to town. That's the kind of approach we need to do. Rick? Uh, thank you. Um, many, many years ago, we recognized that the confluence of the Frying Pan and the Roaring Fork River were really what made this town special and the potential to be one of the best towns in the western United States was right there in front of us. So we figured out how to get $250,000 scratched together and bought that acreage that's there by the 7-Eleven that was a one-acre building site. We also began to recognize Basalt's position in the Roaring Fork Valley as a support town to the core resort of Aspen Snowmass. And the economics of being 14 miles away down valley from that resort are pretty interesting. When the four lane went in, the trip up to Snowmass went from 30 to 40 minutes to 14, and real estate values in Basalt skyrocketed. What we need, you know, we then took on the task of keeping the post office library Midland Bridge, all those things in town, acquired 82. We tried to create an infrastructure, a platform that we could jump off of, and then we'll figure out how to fund what businesses come here. I really think that historic downtown is a great place for an incubator businesses, and I think with anchors like RMI and Roaring for Conservancy and, and the potential of the ski company moving down here in August and September gives us an anchor that will attract investors and people that want to grow their businesses here and we can offer something that'll allow them to be successful. Um, that's it, thank you. <laughs> Jackie. Yeah, thanks Charlie. Um, I think we have to keep in mind a couple different approaches when we're talking about downtown versus Willits. And I've gotten some ideas actually canvassing in the last few weeks and days. Um, when I think about how to incent businesses to locate in downtown and how to keep our existing businesses busy. Everybody knows, or maybe everybody doesn't know, but when downtown Denver, before uh, Coors Field was in downtown Denver, I worked there. There was not a soul there at five minutes after five. And they um, put Coors Field in there and then came to follow about 10,000 units of housing. So we're not gonna have Coors Field in downtown Basalt, but we certainly do need a tremendous amount of high density housing in downtown Basalt. And I see Tim Belinsky is here, and I bother this man every week or every other week because he is working with Frank Traverna and the owners at our downtown to try to move something forward on redevelopment there. It is a, it's a perfect place that actually can accommodate um, parking as well as housing. So I'm hoping that will move forward. I'm not going to be too impatient about that. And in the Willits side, and I got this idea from somebody I knocked a door who is a business owner, um, one of the suggestions she had was those large craters of commercial that are at Willits could maybe be better utilized with smaller chunks of businesses. When they had the farmer's market there and they had like 20 businesses around the edges, period. <laughs> so a lot of these questions are, are complicated and any given council candidate or council, council member can't be expected to have the answer. But I see a lot of people in the audience who know a lot of stuff. And one of my ways to solve complex problems will be to create tasks, task forces of citizens to help figure it out because I am far from the smartest guy in the room. So that is a preface for all of these. But how do we get businesses to stay in town and how do we attract new businesses? We have a 
kick-ass town. We make it more kick-ass. And here's how you do it. For businesses to thrive, you need foot traffic. So how do we increase that? One, we need to figure out parking so that when people come to town, they can access what they want to do, shopping, restaurants, whatever. Uh, that's a topic that we'll discuss in greater detail tonight. We also do need to increase the density of housing uh, downtown, uh, affordable housing and other. And And <laughs> I was, the, um, you know, we worry when you hear density and you hear compact development, people worry. But the reality is there's a five-story building downtown behind Saxe's, and it's well disguised. You can't see it. You almost have to go count the stories to realize it's there. So this can be done with creative planning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys were just talking about methods and means and incentives to keep businesses here and to attract new businesses. This question is a little more specifically focused on the downtown area specifically and what specific things you see in the historic downtown of Basalt that would lead to a sustainable economic model, and particularly, how would you propose to fund those measures in that historic downtown? So going around again, Rob is going to be our first to respond. I think we just answered that question. I was wondering <laughs> that. What, what, what we were hoping that you were talking about was all the areas of basalt in the previous question. I sort of agree that I think you've all kind of addressed particularly the downtown in the last question. So how about if we skip ahead to the next question, Charlie? Skip ahead to... What methods? All right. So we'll switch to a different topic. A livable community, by definition, has a diversity and adequate supply of housing options. What methods or incentives would you use to ensure affordable housing is built and maintains the affordabil its affordability for the long term. And we'll start with Rob. Jen. Well, we'll start with Rob. Go ahead, Rob. <laughs> I think the town has done an amazing job in the last four years. Sorry. I think the town has done a great job in the last four years um, acquiring affordable housing. Um, we have apartments now for our policemen, some for the firemen, and a few for teachers. And what we have in the pipeline for the future is even more exciting. There's 50 units going up in Willits, um, 15 more for teachers at Willits that we just agreed on, um, possibility of affordable housing up by the high school, um, partnering with SKECO in Pitkin County, and we still have a foundation that may someday be affordable housing. So I think the town is doing a great job um, acquiring promoting um, affordable housing. It, it's going to be um, solved by working through the government, through um, developers, and through the public. That's the only way to pay for it. Um, and that's what we're doing. So I think we're doing a great job, and we're going to continue on that path. 
Hi, everyone. Thanks for having compassion with me. I've never had issues with public speaking, and I think many in here would attest that at Town Hall, I don't have a problem speaking my mind. But tonight, for some reason, sitting right here, my stomach is in my mouth. So <laughs> I, thanks for having compassion and going through this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I do agree that uh, public-private nonprofit partnerships are what's important um, to build and maintain um, the affordable housing. And for the long term, that's, that is looking into the crystal ball. And we do have a given in life, and that's inflation. Uh, and we do have the given in life that, um, that property taxes increase with home values. And so uh, being able to tag along with what some of our other communities are doing that is successful, um, the Aspen uh, Affordable Housing Program, that's amazing. A majority of my friends uh, that live in Aspen own affordable housing units, and they are very proud of living there, and it has worked very effectively for them. So I'd say learn from the wise and look up Valley there. And then also, um, I believe Eagle County um, has some very effective affordable housing um, options, and that's something as well that we can look at and as well learn and improve upon. If I could just interject here so that we make sure that we're really answering the questions as asked, because you know our community really came up with a lot of these questions and we worked really hard to distill them. Don't forget to address the second part of the question, which is maintaining affordability for the long term. Thank you. We, uh, we have five affordable housing uh, projects on the drawing board. We should already have had some shovels in the ground on a couple of them. The last uh, two years, we have not done a good job as far as working with um, uh, developers for exactions and mitigations where a big part of it was both uh, affordable housing and preschool childcare. Um, we need to uh, stop villainizing uh, developers and, uh, um, and work with them because we can't build all these things by ourselves. And everybody is agreeing and is absolutely correct. More feet on the ground, more people living near businesses, more people living in basalt is an important part of our uh, of our recovery. Saying that, we have an unbelievably good rapport right now, especially with Picking County. Believe me, when I was a Picking County Commissioner, we didn't have anything like that. They have a great fund, we have places to put them. It just needs political will. Uh, our land use code actually does a pretty good job of taking care of the affordability into the future once these things are built. Problem is getting them built. Um, thank you. Oh, about seven or eight years ago, we started BAC, which is the Basalt Affordable Citizens Housing Group, as a result of a discussion we had with a consultant from Denver who was looking at four issues in town. And we recognized that the solution to the four issues we were having in town was to have people live here. Um, the incentives that I would offer would be to make sure that these projects were located near in infrastructure and to transit. And I would also go as far as to designate receiving areas for these projects that were within the urban growth boundary so they don't have to suffer from extended infrastructure costs and things like that. 
we've set that up pretty brilliantly over on the south side, I think, for several parcels over there to come into the town. Um, Long-term affordability is critical. It has to be addressed by design. We have to accept density, and we have to ensure that those projects are financed for the long-term, but also have the capital revenue generating opportunities that they can utilize for long-term repairs and maintenance. I think we've seen a lot of projects in the upper end of the valley that right now didn't accommodate that, and they're having to put new roofs on and all kinds of other stuff, and we just have to be aware of that. But that's what I think we should do. Thank you. I used to think that you would get enough affordable housing by approving lots of development where you would get a certain percent that would be deed restricted in some way, and normally that deed restriction was um, a purchase type situation. I find that hard to imagine anymore how much development you would have to approve to get enough affordable housing that the people who have not a place to live or not an affordable place to live could actually live here. Um, I think I've grown a little bit more likely to think that if we start really capitalizing on smaller units that we can capture more units for housing. but. In the long run, and I think if you look in California and New York City and places where they have created very, very small units, if the market demand is there, eventually those units are not affordable again. So we have to have this combination, you know, the thing about going last is it is partnerships. Pitkin and Eagle County both are more than happy to work with us. They've got parcels of their own that they are developing, but we have to work with them. And we do need to have, as everyone has said, a, and a tremendous amount more density of housing downtown. All right, so we've basically everyone here has said good things on this topic. I agree. Uh, we do have five projects in the pipeline. How do we make those happen? These tend to be partnerships. My experience is in the corporate world, in the nonprofit world, uh, and in government. And so I would work with these entities to help make these projects happen. Um, also, I think we can be creative about how we add housing to the community. It doesn't mean huge housing projects. It can mean creative zoning, uh, incentivizing accessory dwelling units. That's also an equity issue because a fancy house has someone who has less money living right next to it. That's, that's a very effective solution. Um, I think the way you get to affordability is density and deed restriction. As you said, density may not get you the, the price that you need. Deed restriction, though, for entry-level uh, families is a great opportunity. You put a certain amount of money down that's less than the price of the house. It's guaranteed to appreciate. I'm a product of uh, deed-restricted housing in Carbondale. It worked perfectly. I moved out, made money on the deal, moved out, and came to Basalt. Yeah, there, <clears throat> there, are many, there are many possibilities in the future. Um, one of the possibilities that really intrigues me is the um, housing project that's being talked about by the high school between Habitat Humanity and the school district. Um, this seems to me like a, a real good uh, way to get affordable housing, the, the Habitat for Humanity has been working in the valley now for a, a number of years, and they are expanding their number of units each year. Um, 
we have to not forget about including the next generation. Uh, they have to have opportunities to be able to live in this uh, community and, and really be a, a, a part of the community. I think the only way, or one of, one of the only ways that uh, affordability can be maintained is with deed restrictions. I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that for my next question. <laughs> I could have transferred that from the first part there. Okay, that was everybody, right? Okay. All right, so uh, another topic that has been near and dear to the hearts of many, and that is sort of not necessarily a product of affordable housing, but um, we've We've come to understand that the childcare, daycare centers in the valley have wait lists of not just 10 children, but in some cases 40 children, 50 children. So affordable daycare is something that is a concern to a lot of people. So the question is, what do you think the town's role should be in expanding or supporting childcare options? We'll start with Jennifer. What the town is rich in is land. And there are many places uh, to, to build. Um, and that can include affordable housing, as we were just talking about, but also that includes childcare options. And uh, by creating and working with public, private, and nonprofit partnerships, uh, we, we could offer land um, to build childcare centers on. And to to help what already does exist, because that also is something to really consider, is how do we incentivize, how do we support what already does exist? And uh, that can be, uh, it's an interesting one of I, how, how can you, um, what it comes down to actually is how can you make childcare profitable? It's something that every child needs and there isn't a giant um, profitability margin on there. So I'm not sure if it's through um, tax incentives or, um, yeah, that, that, that's an interesting one. Um, we have included exactions in past applications um, I was very disappointed when the uh, a senior living application disappeared like fog in the morning when the sun came out because uh, um, we had a, a required uh, um, a parcel of land from them for uh, a child care. We also had a mitigation on the, on the Willits expansion application for child care, uh, uh, a preschool child care. Uh, and that unfortunately didn't get done either. The, um, it's, it's a top priority when the uh, child care people came in and gave the presentations, the numbers of families waiting for places and there just isn't any facility is staggering. And I'm gonna bleed a little bit into the next question by saying, 
we have this long list of things that are so important to the community, at the very top of which is childcare. And after 12 years in, uh, in public office, I can say the stork does not bring those things and I have lost faith in the Easter Bunny. Uh, these things are expensive. You cannot spend a bunch of money and do a bunch of bonding for things that aren't necessary when you have things like childcare at the top of your agenda that do need us to, to buy these new parcels of land that are available now. Um, the town's role should be primarily raising the awareness of what the needs really are. There's 167 children on the waiting list at Blue Lake, not 40 or 50. Um, it's amazing, and that's just one. <coughs> I'm on a group uh, that's a business roundtable that's connected to the Aspen Community Foundation and working in the Cradle to Career Initiative. And I think that the town's role could be to reach out to businesses that need the infrastructure that affordable housing and affordable daycare brings to our businesses. Without those things in the community, it's very difficult for a business to thrive. The uh, difference between investing in the stock market right now at six or seven percent return and investing in early childhood education and daycare at 11 percent is rather staggering. And people across the country are starting to turn towards investment in early childhood education and daycares, things that are meaningful, that give us a leg up. We have to grow our own workforce. We're not, it's not that easy to import it here. And I think the town's role should be to get that word out. Thank you. We have a blessing and a not so much blessing with the fact that the Ski Co and um, Pekin County are bringing their employees down here. So now they have their employees in daycare up in Pekin County, a lot of them, and now they won't be running up to Pekin County to drop off kids. So what we thought was a problem is now an emergency situation. Um, the only thing I've ever heard talked about, and I think it really sprung from the Community Foundation that sounds like it might work, is either a mid-valley or a regional um, taxing of ourselves to do this. At this point, these are p costing employers, employees are leaving because they can't find childcare. It is costing people their jobs because they can't report for duty. I mean, this is something that doesn't touch me personally because I don't have children, I don't have grandchildren, but I guarantee you if we had a full complement of citizens in this room, they would tell you that this is at an emergency level and I think the wisest thing we could do is to work with someone, as Rick said, with the Community Foundation and the local um, counties to talk about taxing ourselves sooner rather than later on this deal. You know, the first thing I'd do is I'd look at what we already have. There are a lot of excellent uh, childcare and daycare facilities uh, in the community, and I'd talk to them and see how we can shore them up and make sure they stay in business and thrive and even expand and grow. Uh, the red brick building by the school is going to uh, be renovated, and there may be opportunities there to expand it. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's an obviously a, a huge issue, but I would want to make sure uh, of the health of the existing uh, child care facilities first. I, mm. see, I cede my time to Leroy. <laughs> well, you know, the, the town's been pretty diligent in trying to create spaces or improve, 
you know, to actually require spaces from development. Unfortunately, those developments have never come into fruition. For example, we had a space in Stotts Mills uh, approvals that that was going to guarantee that there would be a daycare, actually the shell of a daycare built. But unfortunately, that project went down, as uh, Herschel said, the, uh, the senior housing project went down. Um, we, we definitely have to find ways to support the, the uh, daycare facilities that we already have. And I think maybe one of the um, real solutions to this problem is to encourage small daycares um, that would allow um, one of the, the parents to actually not have a job outside the home and be able to take care of, of, of a small number of, of children. This, this might be a solution to uh, the immediate problems. Right now, it's very difficult to become uh, licensed in the daycare business. My two daughters went to growing years, um, and they had great experiences, but it's in two rundown trailers in the corner of the school property. When it rains, the roof leaks, um, and it's undersized and uh, bursting at the seams with kids. Hopefully, growing years can move to the red brick building um, and expand their offerings. As we um, build affordable housing that we just talked about, we get a lot of people that are in that um, age that was put so eloquently to us at town council a couple weeks ago, um, couples between their first kiss and their first kids. Um, but as we grow in the valley and more development and affordable housing, there's going to be a greater need for childcare. Um, the town is going to have to work with developers. The people that are helping, excuse me, that are exacerbating the problem are going to have to help solve the problem. And that means either building or helping to pay for more childcare. Uh, if the town is going to spend, if Basalt is going to spend its tax money on childcare, then I think that childcare needs to be for Basalt children, not necessarily for kids um, from up and down the valley. It's, it's the money that comes from people that live in town, and it should benefit those same families. All right, so let's uh, talk more about financing and the budget. You know, we obviously want a lot of things. We want childcare, we want affordable housing, but people are already talking about property taxes and how high and how the rate of growth of those. And the town's budget does have limits in terms of what we can do. So the question is, how do you propose the town finance the underpass, new park construction and maintenance, affordable housing, daycare, and all the other things that we want to do? And we'll start with Herschel. Uh, we have a John Muir quote up on the wall in the town council uh, that everything is uh, um, connected. Everything you tried to do is in a circle. It's all it's all uh, it's all connected. The uh, again, we have we have partnerships with other governments. We have property tax. We have sales tax, uh, and we have exactions from uh, developers. And that is what um, limits are doing everything we want to do. 
There is no econ uh, economics of abundance. If you have economics, you have to have uh, uh, priorities and you have to watch your money. The, uh, uh, all of the, the uh, and again, keeping our goal in mind, we don't want to raise, raise property taxes. So we go back to the other things we have been talking about. How do you raise more sales taxes? All of the cities in this valley um, depend uh, very heavily. So we're right back to having more people living here, uh, more businesses being more successful, and so we get more sales tax to bring more people in to be more, it's a circle, it's all connected. But it's all the things we've been talking about already, is that and the partnerships with the other governments that will allow us to do these things, or not. We have to um, stay the course on certain things. Uh, the underpass came as a bit of surprise when they opened up the bids, but I think we found a solution to that. Also, Mike Scanlon and Bruce Ellers, who have been working with the community, bring a whole new level of expertise and understanding on how to finance municipal improvements. There's things going on across the country that are called bids, which is a business improvement district that could help us finance things like new park construction and maintenance. The post-sales tax that we collect at 1% right now only allocates a certain amount to park maintenance, and that would be something that would have to go back to the voters and change the language in that so that we could get more funding from that resource. I think we have a number of beautiful parks and we have to be able to take care of them, and we're getting more every day. In fact, I think the increase of acreage in parks in the last 10 or 15 years in basalt we're plus 130 acres from where we were about 15 years ago. That brings some financial burden. Affordable housing, daycare, all those things can be done with, with a new model of public-private partnership. But those things have to be prioritized. And if they're prioritized, we can plan for it. But if we don't prioritize them and we try to address them all at once, they don't get done. So I'm all for getting them done. We'll figure out what the priority is, and we'll find the money to do it. Thanks. Well, I was just in a meeting at Pickin County yesterday, and it looks like between the um, Pickin County Open Space and Pickin County Government that they have all but promised to help us meet our shortfall on the underpass. So uh, knock on wood that that is a final answer. Um, new park construction and maintenance. Um, I, think, I think Rick kind of nailed that, that um, maintenance is not really uh, that available in the post funds, but could be. Um, Affordable housing and daycare, we don't want to talk about that one again, do we? Okay, good. Well, thanks, uh, Rick and Jackie, for solving the underpass question. I won't talk about that. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the question is, how, there are many, many really important things we need to finance. And the question comes up, well, do you tax yourself further? And ideally, you don't want to do that. You don't want to increase sales tax or property tax. And if you pull aside certain people in the audience, like Bill Kane, uh, uh, Doug McDonald, I bet you could speak to this, um, there are some obscure and complicated, but really useful ways that communities across the country are financing projects. They create what's called an urban renewal authority and then use what's called tax increment financing to use future tax revenue to fund improvements. These are effective, 
they work, they get paid off quickly, and it's a mechanism that avoids taxes. So there are opportunity, there are creative ways to do this if we dig a little bit uh, into, into financing mechanisms. You know, the town of Assault cannot do this on our own. We don't have the finances for it. We've spent $7.5 million on the pan of fork today. We've got $4 million to spend on the underpass. Uh, it, the list goes on and on and on. And, and without partnerships and, and uh, other means of, of paying, paying for these projects, uh, other than uh, sales tax or property tax, it just it's not going to happen. So I think there has to be creative ways to finance this uh, these projects, and I think they also need to be prioritized. And the funding has to be in place for these project the priority projects to be taken care of and completed before another project is uh, even contemplated. When I got on council four years ago, one of the ideas for the Pan and Fork property was a nonprofit campus, which I think would be a fantastic idea. And I spent the last four years pulling my hair out trying to figure out how to pay for it. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> Thank you, Herschel. And you were successful. <laughs> um, Town of Basalt partnered with uh, Pitkin County and others to purchase the open space at um, Salt and Stall, and that's paying back dividends now as Pitkin County partners with us for the underpass. But it's those kind of partnerships that are going to help us uh, sustain these, these changes we want. Um, we have a better relationship now with the Eagle County Commissioners than we've had in years. So when it comes to paying for hopefully a nonprofit campus or a park or river improvements, you know, we need to look to Pitkin County, we need to talk to Eagle County. Um, we have post dollars. We need to apply for GOCO grants. We can't do it ourselves. We're still a small town. And I, I think about my conversation with my neighbors, Lynn and Bud, you know, living on a fixed income, don't want the taxes to go up. And I don't want the taxes to go up either. Um, but some of this stuff has to get paid for. So those partnerships are going to be really important for us moving forward. So it's always interesting being the last person to go, the first one. You, you have to think about it. And then the last one, everyone else had such great ideas that all you can say is, <laughs> I fully agree with everyone there. And what I would add to it is, uh, is likewise, is getting very creative, looking, at, looking for grants, and really going along with those partnerships. And that goes along with, um, with Eagle County, with Pitkin County, um, and working together and um, opening the communication a bit more with Eagle County. And that's something that I really stand for. Okay. Our next question is about putting together all the parts of basalt, all the various different parts. We have Willits, we have Southside Basalt Business Center, we have Historic Downtown, and um, while each area has its own identity, I think we've all agreed we are the town of basalt. So we'd like to know what you would propose that the town council do or what you would propose to do to enhance the connection and the feeling of a basalt that is inclusive of all the neighborhoods of basalt. 
And this time, who gets to go first? Rick. Okay. Thank you. I think the first thing we need to do is stop talking about them separately. Um, they all bring certain things to the community at large, and they all benefit us greatly if we pay attention to them. The uh, industrial south side light zone, whatever, light industrial zone district was created as a response to city market moving to Algebel. And that was Basalt's way of trying to recapture the revenue that was lost. It, it did work. It attracted a lot of small businesses down here, a lot of guys, plumbers, electricians, people like that, big O. It provided a, a place for those guys to come to because they were getting kicked out of the upper end of the valley. I think that the social capital nature of the community needs some, a new model of governance, and it's on my little handout here, so I'll just read it, that is inclusive and participatory and engages all the citizens without dividing the community. I've heard from people in Willits that, you know, Old Town's really not their issue because they have a great place where they live now, but all of our schools and all of our municipal services are located in in uh, Old Town Basalt. So I just think we just need to have more dialogue between the neighborhoods and, and increase that communication so that everybody understands we're working for the greater good. Thank you. I don't know why, I never know it's my turn. Um, first of all, I don't think of these separate parts as different parts, really. I mean, I think when you see growth in any town, look at, I mean, Denver's a, you know, very large city, but when you grow, and we have grown, you're going to have separate neighborhoods, and I think that's part of the fun about Basalt, is that there are separate neighborhoods. If you want one kind of a feeling, you go downtown. If you want a different kind of feeling, you go to Willits, and someday there will be something to play at Southside. But I don't see these as bad things. I mean, when we go to Denver, we may spend some time in Lodo or Highlands or downtown, and I think it is great. I mean, I think the only one thing that could still be improved on a little bit is, and it's mostly because the underpass, is if you have safe pedestrian bike connections to all parts of your town, you automatically are better connected because, yes, you can get in your car. It is not that much fun. And when you can get on your bike or walk or run or skateboard, it is tremendously more fun. And that little connection over to the Rio Grande from downtown with that underpass would make it perfect. So we need to put in an underpass. We know that. One, one thing that hasn't come up is there are grants that you can get from uh, Safe Routes to School, and that's another opportunity to help fund that. I don't know if that's it's in, there. It, it's in there. Okay, I stand down on that. I withdraw the comment. But uh, one of the challenges is how do you get from downtown Basalt to Willits? And it's actually not that far, but it's difficult sometimes. The Greenway Master Plan is a really exciting proposal where you turn uh, the, the spur of Midland that exit from town toward Willits, back road exit, uh, into a one-way uh, pedestrian-friendly route that you can ride your bike on, and then that addresses the problem of what happens when you get to that corner, which now is, is terrifying. <laughs> but those are exciting, creative ideas that will connect the communities and uh, make our town more attractive to, to businesses. I don't know. I personally think it's a perception. I think that in, in the people I talk to, especially the people in the schools, they, they all feel that 
all those specific areas are all one, they're all basalt. Um, the schools are, are definitely the, the um, driving force that's going to unify all these neighborhoods because they come to one school, one school system and it's in, in basalt. Um, I don't know that there's anything that town government can do that. It's just as a, a personal thing and uh, I think that we just need to all consider ourselves as one. You meet somebody, <clears throat> if you meet somebody in the gondola and ask where they're from, they don't say they're from Willits or Southside. They say they're from Basalt. We're all from Basalt. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's important to remember. You know, we, we can say there's divisiveness, but if we don't feel it and we don't believe it, you know, maybe there's not. Um, if you want people to feel like they're part of Basalt, make them proud to be from Basalt. Right? It's going to be such a great town that they're going to be bragging that they're from Basalt. You know, I remember when I lived in Aspen back in the day, if you didn't live in town, you lived down Valley, and you didn't really talk about it. <laughs> but the way Basalt's heading, people are going to be glad to live here, glad to move here, and glad to say they're from here. I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Rob. Recreation is in our blood. Many of us, likewise, go to the gondola, go skiing, we boat, we bike ride, and some of the exciting things that are happening in basalt include we cycle, and that is a connector, and that is a way to foster the physical and the fun connection of going from place to place. Um, getting around on bicycle, we've come a long way with all of the various bike paths and pedestrian paths and the ways to connect. And that's something that we can foster, is to maintain them very well, make sure that the pavement's in good shape, make it a pleasant and safe experience. Um, in the future, talking about the actual connection, is someday there is going to need to be a cross-town bus. And that's something to consider far into the future. Uh, but having a circulator bus, that's something that has been brought up with people saying, I want to live in basalt and I want it to be a car-free or a car-less um, place. And how can I do that? I need to get to Willits to go grocery shopping or I need to go to downtown to go to the dentist. And if there was a bus, that's a way <laughs> for various all ages and especially our retiring population to get around. Another idea is the aesthetics. Each part of the towns have, or each part of our town has a different look. And if we could make that a cohesive aesthetic look by having the same flower baskets, by having the same banners on the roads, that's a way to do it as well. Quack, quack. The, uh, it's, uh, it's um, a difficult problem. We have uh, taken uh, some steps towards it, we've uh, actually worked really hard and uh, contributed with um, a RAFTA, you know, for better service, better uh, and, uh, and more stops. We're working on the underpass, which is very important to South Side and essential for um, a safe traffic. You should uh, stop by the planning office, look at the, uh, at the Greenway plan 
for going down uh, Two Rivers Road. It will definitely make uh, it uh, um, a lot more fun and pleasant to go between uh, um, Willits uh, and downtown. I think we do have to celebrate the fact that each area does have its own um, a personality. We have the urban density in, uh, uh, in, in Willits, which the residents there really enjoy. Uh, and we have the schools in the downtown area. I think that if we keep working on a critical mass, which is uh, uh, an overused term, but, but if we build up the businesses in both ends, you'll have people going back and forth and it will help it all. Uh, and what Rick said, I loved what, what, what Rick said also. What I did, I loved what you said. <laughs> I don't remember. Well, it was written down. Oh. No clue. You can read it later or watch the TV. All right, well, we skipped over a question, so we're going to add one in here. It's actually uh, the, the third one on your, on your list, and we're going to talk a little bit about your approach to decision-making. So suppose the council is considering a proposal, and it never happens, I know, but a number <laughs> of vocal citizens come forward that are both for and against a proposal. How would you differentiate fact from opinion and more importantly, how do you correct, get the correct facts out rather than misrepresentations to, out to the citizens? And we'll start with Jack. Okay. Well, I've never seen this occur before, vocal <laughs> citizens. Um, I think one of the issues is that when someone comes before you in a council meeting and presents information, whether it's their opinion or a fact, um, you may or may not know whether it's a fact or not, and you're, um, it would be inappropriate to call someone on that, in my opinion. Um, I think one of the things that does happen is that we tend to hear those same opinions or facts over and over again, so we ha should have plenty of time to react to that, and I think that our staff and the town and as a whole and and the chamber as our partners, we do try to get information back out to the community via Facebook or um, Mike's newsletter that he does. And even through people, I mean, if people contact me, I try to get them the facts. But the truth is, is when you're in the actual meeting, um, it would be inappropriate to correct someone or tell them that their information is wrong, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess if they say that the earth is flat, you might want to say something about that. But, yeah. I deal with all of this all the time. I, I work on climate change. And, uh, is that a fact now? <laughs> Depends on who That'll be on a part of your platform, that question. The, uh, you just have to pause and you have to get third-party sources to fact-check your information and you can't make a decision right there and then. Am I answering for the whole town council here? Can we move on to the next question? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're finished. <laughs> Maybe not. Who's up? Leroy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I think when you're elected to a position, <laughs> I think it's, it, it you're almost required to listen to everything that anybody wants to say, no matter how many people, different people say the, the same thing. I think you have to, uh, you have to take everybody's opinion with a grain of salt and, and try to 
come up with an answer that, that, that may uh, not make everybody happy. I don't know what else to say about that. That's a difficult question. Well, I thought, I thought Auden answered this one. But <laughs> what's been interesting for me the last four years on council is that we do get two different opinions that are both entirely valid and entirely opposite. And how do we as a council negotiate that and, and, and solve it? Um, and the conversations are interesting. Um, council is bright and engaged and caring and we have good discussions. Staff is, um, our staff is amazing uh, at our disposal. They've, they often know the questions, they often know the answers before we ask the questions. Um, we have a really good setup. We have a first reading and a second reading and plenty of time to discuss in between so that we don't jump to conclusions and make rash decisions. Um, we're open, we're approachable. You can have coffee with the mayor any Wednesday after a meeting. Um, the staff is there, their doors are open, and we have the website, we have Facebook, it's just easy to get messages out nowadays, and I think that we do a pretty good job of that. Um, the incorrect facts, you read them in the newspaper all the time, but they tend to go away. Um, and the, 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 the truths rise to the top, so I, th I think we do a great job um, solving these issues. When I'm faced between differentiating an opinion from a fact, I ask questions. And by asking questions, you can begin uh, to tease out the facts. And then to verify what the facts are, you do need, as Auden said, to have third party analyzing that goes on. And that was my immediate first response is, after all of the national presidential debates, I really enjoy the New York Times fact check, and they go through the speeches and break out yes, no, maybe. And there is a lot of gray ground in there, and that's where, by asking questions, you can clarify the difference between an opinion and a fact. Uh, I was on a, uh, uh, it used to be called Leadership Aspen, it's, it's, it's now Leadership Roaring Fork panel, um, when I was in office up Valley, and one of the questions was, what's the best thing about being in office and what's the hardest thing about being in office? And uh, I told them it's the same thing. Everybody cares so desperately. I mean, there is no lack of interest or enthusiasm or emotion in this Valley and certainly not in Basalt, and it's a really good thing. And the council has to listen to everybody, both sides. I heard a um, a campaign line the other day in the paper that uh, uh, about the silent majority. Silence is not the problem in Basalt. Believe me, I've been through hours and hours of meetings where everybody had a definite opinion. And uh, how you make that constructive is you very strongly encourage the citizens to listen to each other and listen to the other points of view. Get them in the room together. You don't want them just saying, do it my way or you're stupid, which people have said to me before. But the, uh, uh, the, that and our great committees really help us sort these things out. 
the the post and the Bach and the and the P and Z. These people work so hard, you know, to bring the kernel of truth out, uh, and and this handing the work back that Mike Sandlin is uh, um, likes so much really works. First beat for me. <laughs> so it takes the normal citizen about nine months from my experience to recognize that there's a discussion going on that could be controversial. <laughs> um, the way our governance works is we create silos. The first silo is you come to staff with an application or an issue and it gets addressed. The second one is you submit your plans or your proposals and you get sent to TRC, which is a technical review committee, which I learned after about a couple of years. And then it goes to P&Z for a couple of hearings, and it goes to town uh, governance, the town council for a few more hearings. And by then, you're a year and a half into it, and people go, my God, what's going on here? So we have to be a little bit more proactive in the beginning to get the facts out as they're represented by the developer, and if there's a, a side to it that we need to get out that's factual on the, on the uh, community side, then we need to do that. The concept here is to create a new governance that's more inclusive, that addresses these things up front. If you can recognize an emerging issue, you should deal with it immediately. The other thing is you let the process work, you stay engaged as an elected official, and you be available 24 hours a day. And that's how this can be solved. Thanks. Okay, and your um, cell phone number is? Three seven <laughs> three seven nine two seven five two. Okay, we are moving on and kind of going back now to issues and hot buttons. And um, we all use Highway 82, whether we drive on it, ride on it, commute on it, live on it. And um, what we hear a lot of is that the traffic is a real issue that there is a lot of traffic. So, of course, we recognize that it's a state highway. We recognize that it goes through three counties, et cetera. But what specifically do you think that the town of Basalt could or should do to manage traffic on Highway 82? So now we're back to Auden, right, to start? What other giant impossible problems do you want us to solve tonight? <laughs> Pretty much all of them. The, this, is a, this is something that the Valley's grappled with since the Valley existed. Uh, it's a hugely complicated problem. There's currently a multi-agency, multi-government effort looking at the traffic problem. And this is something that Basalt should actively participate in, and we should offer up opportunities and solutions uh, Two, two fixes to connecting the towns might also fix traffic. One is in, in expanding car-to-go, uh, car-share opportunities between Willits and downtown Basalt. The other would be uh, WeCycle, uh, making bikes available for rent. So, but this is a really messy, really complex problem. There are a lot of people in the community who have expertise in this. We're gonna need to convene those people. I can't answer this, this is, this is tough. No. Oh, okay. He pointed. Keep going this way. <laughs> well, this is a this is a problem that really 
the town of Assault has no sol solution to or uh, re really no The town of Assault really doesn't have a, a fish in the, the, the river, so to speak. Um, you know, Highway 2 is a, a transportation corridor between Glenwood Springs and Aspen. It happens to uh, go through Basalt. It is a necessary part of Basalt because, quite frankly, uh, one for Highway 82, nobody would be able to get here, and we're going to see that in uh, a few years when uh, they close down the bridge uh, for the final repairs of that. Um, so I agree with Augie, Auden, that there's no, nothing that we really can do, but we need to be a participant in, in trying to figure out a solution for it. Is the uh, person who submitted this question here tonight? Is the what? The person who submitted this question, because I want to thank you. Many people submitted this question or variations. Here's what we can do. If you're driving down Highway 82 and you look out your right window and the same car has been there for 10 minutes, maybe you should be behind it. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Levitt. The left lane is Moving for passing. On. The right lane is for driving. If the same car is next to you, you're not passing it, you should be behind it. And if I have to explain my jokes, they're not that funny. I, I got it. It's difficult to follow them. Look, if you're in a canoe and you're floating downstream towards a waterfall, you don't paddle forward, okay? The more people we put in the valley, the more cars we have on 82 driving up to Aspen. So slowing down the growth, it's not going to solve the problem, but it's going to keep it from getting much worse. The more jobs we have in Aspen, excuse me, the more jobs we have in Basalt, the fewer people we have driving up to Aspen, and that's gonna take cars off the road. That's gonna help. We just spent 49, not we, RAFTA just spent $49 million on a BRT bus system. It must have helped. This, those buses are full. Basalt may need, excuse me, Basalt may need to expand our parking so we can get more people on the buses, get more cars off the road, and hopefully that helps. Thanks. I got to vent one of my pet peeves tonight. Thank you very much. Can I just clarify something? It, um, Leroy, when you spoke after Auden, you said that you agreed with Auden that there was really nothing we could do about it. And I'm not sure that's exactly what Auden and I meant to I say. I didn't say that either. Okay. No, I, didn't I, I, agree I just. With that part of it, right? Yeah, I just wanted to clarify, I think. Auden said it was. I said that's a tough question, difficult. and I can't answer it. And I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Neither okay. neither of us said we. Okay. We can't solve it. Okay. I'll admit I was born with a lead foot. What I have learned in basalt is that it's a slow zone, and that's something that I really respect. Um, something that the town of Basalt has done to manage the traffic on Highway 82 is Basalt PD has been a presence in Basalt on Highway 82, and that has helped me remember uh, to always slow down there. Um, so by doing that, 
Um, as well, I do agree with the partnership with RAFTA. Uh, having the park and ride, we do have very large parking lots in Basalt for people to, for myself, for you, to park your car at and get on the bus, and that will reduce the number of cars on Highway 82. Um, yeah, we have a, a great mass transit system. I mean, it is so successful that it's getting maxed out. Uh, and uh, we have uh, worked hard with RAFTA in the past with uh, acquiring land with and for them uh, for the parking rides to get cars off of the road. Uh, and uh, the, um, the affordable housing, uh, um, as the as the real estate price pressure comes down Valley and people are moving to Silt and Rifle beyond Glenwood, it just makes the traffic worse all the way up. So the affordable housing, the jobs and the businesses in Basalt, again, this all comes around, this is all linked, that actually gets some traffic off the highway. And uh, um, when I was on the rafter board, we introduced the um, a punch pass and it was, uh, uh, it dropped the price of the bus ride and the ridership jumped up a third. So you have to look ahead, you have to plan, but again, to reach our goal, the one that we're going for, the mass transit cooperating with RAFTA, helping them with land, whatever we can, expanding the parks and rides, we've done some, we need to do more. Thank you. Um, sometimes the fear of more traffic keeps us from solutions that would mitigate that problem. A lot of times our conversations turn to projects that will bring more traffic to town but also are located near transit stops and offer more density. Density has always been a real hot topic in terms of land use and smart growth tenants say you locate your development around transit centers, you locate your developments to jobs that are walkable and you do a lot of things like that. There was a comment the other night about basalt needs to declare a moratorium on development till it solves its traffic problem. I'm not sure it's just basalt's traffic problem. Our company's employees now travel from as far away as Clifton and Parachute and Hotchkiss, and 133 is starting to get just as impacted as 82. It's really a question about paying attention to it and, and not letting it get in the way of doing the things that we can do to help solve the problem on 82, which is bring more jobs down here, provide housing closer to where people work, and I think those will help us. Thank you. Well, this, this is a big one, and I think that RAFTA is definitely working on, on these issues. Um, the problem is, as Rob alluded, this is a land use problem and a transportation problem. They always go hand in hand, and every time you experience growth, you will have this problem. The difference here is that we will never have more than one street between Aspen and Glenwood Springs. So is it an unlimited pipeline? I don't think it is. I don't think it is unlimited. One of the things that um, we talk about in groups in transportation, I'm, I'm working in a subgroup, and that is, is that the failures are happening at the intersections, which I don't have to tell you that, and at the roundabouts, some of the roundabouts that are located too close to Highway 82. So um, I think we all have to take responsibility for what is happening out there on Highway 82. I think there needs to be a regional land use uh, approach taken. RAFTA is not a land use um, organization, it is strictly 
a bus organization, and RAFTA is completely maxed out, and you are looking at a coming up tax from RAFTA as well. So this is all about more people, it requires more infrastructure, transportation, and a lot of things that we are just gonna have to continue to pay for um, for as long as we continue to grow. Okay, I think we can uh, sneak one more question in before your uh, closing statement. So, the health of our rivers and recreation opportunities are closely tied with our economic future. What river health issues should get more of your attention during your tenure on council? And we'll start with Leroy. I, uh, I spent many, many hours uh, working on the, uh, the, the river master plan. Um, I learned more about rivers, waters, uh, than I ever thought I'd ever know about it. Um, we are fortunate and probably um, very, there may not be any other town that has two gold medal streams running through us. I think that it's critical that um, we do maintain um, riparian, riparian uh, parts of the river. Um, there are parts of the river that uh, have not been influenced by development so far need to be remain that way. I think that access to the river has to be in, in certain areas, it can't be the whole length of the river. And I think that, you know, just the overall health of the river is going to really influence of, of being able to keep our gold medal rating and our fabulous uh, um, fly fishing and fishing in, in this area. The health of our rivers is both an environmental issue and a lifestyle issue. I was fishing yesterday in the Roaring Fork, and you look around and it's just spectacular, and we're so lucky to have it, and it, it might be our, our number one asset as a town. Um, my immediate uh, concern on health of the river is what's happening to all that mag chloride that they put on Highway 82 in the winter. Because you know when the snow melts, the mag chloride's going to run down the hill and end up in the river. Um, and I don't think there have been studies there to find out the long-term consequences of that. Um, what's the town doing to help the rivers? Um, we're certainly uh, advocating get, to get the Roaring Fork Conservancy built as soon as possible. We gave them a $400,000 gift this year when we bought back the land that they had purchased for their uh, river center. Because I think educating our children on the health of the rivers and how to take care of the rivers might be the most valuable thing we can do to protect the rivers in the long term. Um, I fish, and right now if you drive Old 82, people park anywhere and hike down anywhere to get to the river. So I think we could um, mark access, mark parking, and limit where people are accessing the river, and that'll help protect the river banks, um, and it'll help protect the rivers. I am passionate about our rivers. Recently attending one of the Pitkin County Healthy Rivers meetings, um, it was highlighted that our riverbanks need TLC. Much of the riverbank along the Two Rivers Road in, uh, in the downtown basalt area, 
that was just made in an emergency state in the 90s. Uh, the, uh, the river was up high, it was undercutting Two Rivers Road, and so uh, a lot of gravel and large rocks were uh, just quickly tossed in there. And uh, it's something that needs to be rebuilt because it's starting to erode again. That's going to then influence the riparian area around there, and all of this can be tied in along with the Whitewater Park. And part of rebuilding the riverbank is included in um, the Pitkin County. So it is a partnership with Pitkin County on the upcoming Whitewater River Park. And uh, going along with the Healthy Rivers um, Committee, they're very interested and they have specialist uh, Lisa Tasker, who is a uh, river riparian specialist. And she has a number of wonderful resources, ideas, and uh, ways to to uh, uh, to make our to not make our rivers healthy, but assist them. And that also included um, some of the central islands bringing the trees back on there. Uh, yes, we um, are well aware of the importance of the rivers to the town. The last uh, four years, we've made some uh, amazing. Uh, amazing progress on it, you know, because of uh, the brilliant staff we have now with Mike Scanlon and uh, our financial advisor, um, Bruce uh, Kimmel, um, we were able finally, after years and years of Rick and Leroy knocking themselves out with the River Master Plan, we were actually able to get in the river and improve it and, uh, and uh, raise bonds at a phenomenally good rate in order for us to do it. Um, we've helped the River Conservancy uh, get a big head start on their building, which, uh, which is um, uh, very important to the uh, welfare of the river. And uh, one of the reasons we're, we're cooperating and working so closely, just one of the reasons, um, with Pitkin County on the, uh, on the kayak park is that it will allow us to keep more flow in the river at, uh, at critical times for the fisheries and all. So we're, we're aware, we're working on it, we've done a bunch of good stuff, we have more to do. Thank you, uh, during the Roaring Fork Club application, we created the Roaring Fork Trust, which is now the Roaring Fork Conservancy. That trust was specifically responsible for checking the water quality and quantity in the reach of the Roaring Fork River that went through the club. It was known as the fourth greenest golf course in America, due to the efforts those guys made. We recognize then and we still recognize now the importance of that river. Um, I'm involved in Rudai. Rudai has taken on, Rudai Water and Power is taking on a new mission. There are probably 25 to 30 agencies that I know of that we collectively got together here not too long ago. And Rudai's mission is now to become kind of a central clearinghouse for water quality and water quantity in this basin. Um, the river health issues that we've addressed have to do with the mitigation we're doing along the old mobile home park. Uh, we chose an environmental solution to creating more habitat as opposed to a civilly engineered solution to the river channel. It's got one of the steepest gradients of any river in the western United States. And I think those things need to be continued. I agree with Rob that the stormwater management runoff along 82 needs to be managed better. And I was really pleased to see a silt fence around that great big pile of snow that's in the middle of the park. So we're on the right path, and we'll continue on that path and make improvements as we go. Thanks. 
Well, I think everybody's pretty well expressed that we are extremely dependent on the Roaring Fork Conservancy to make sure our water quality is, is what we want it to be here because that is a huge part of our economy is fishing. And that is probably not my first issue. My first issue is definitely the environment. But, um, you know, we maybe should check in more often with the Conservancy because maybe there are things that the town could do about enforcement or other things because I've heard for ever since I've been in basalt about the degradation of the uh, stream sides from fishermen and there's no reason why that should be happening. On the mag chloride side of this, I worked for the Colorado Association of Ski Towns for 10 years and we fought the state of Colorado our whole lives trying to make them cut back or stop with the mag chloride. They are not gonna do it. And at one point in time, the town did not use mag chloride. And quite honestly, I don't even know if that's the case anymore or if the town is again using mag chloride. But it has got some pretty toxic stuff in it and is not good for the trees, the water, uh, or anybody. So the, the rivers aren't, can't be taken in isolation. And the sustainability of the community and the rivers is a systems problem. It, how we deal with traffic, how we deal with housing, what our bigger vision plan for the community is, influences the river. The biggest possible uh, systems problem is climate change. If we don't solve that problem, and if we aren't a leader on that, we'll lose the river anyway. The uh, community is incredible already in addressing this problem. We have a small hydro plant, we have a solar heated swimming pool, we have a great new green building code, uh, and we can do more and we can be a leader the way Aspen is trying to be on policy and on serving as a role model for the rest of the country. And that RMI, uh, Roaring Fork Conservancy, we're already a tourist attraction for people who care about the environment and we can do that more and better. Okay, we're gonna move to your, your closing statement and uh, We'd like to you know, pose a question to that, but again, if there's any other issues that you felt have not come out tonight, um, you can talk about it a little bit now in your, in your closing statement, or you know, we can add to that uh, when we do the individual filming. So the question uh, that we'd like you to include is, what leadership role will you play in uniting the community and ensuring forward progress? So we're gonna start, we're gonna do all the council candidates first and then come back to the mayoral candidates. Um, so we'll start with you, Rob. And we are going to give you two minutes for this. Yeah, two minutes for this. Uh -huh. Unless you want to yield your time. No. <laughs> when I was elected in 2012, I had a conversation with Matt Hamilton, who was then the board chair for the school district. And he told me, quote, that there is basically no relationship between the town of Basalt and the Roaring Fork School District. That was four years ago. Now, the town's collaborated with the school district to resurface the track at the high school. We built a new playground at the elementary school, thanks to Gary Tannenbaum. We're collaborating on, on teacher housing, and we have a great relationship with the school district. That was my number one priority when I was elected, and it's been really successful and really beneficial to the people of Basalt. Two years ago, I was elected mayor pro tem by my fellow councilors. I think that's because I can build consensus. 
and because I've been shown to be a voice of reason on the board. And for those reasons, uh, I'm running again. I'm asking for your vote, and I thank you for your support. So my performance this evening does not reflect my strengths. You have heard my responses are concise, and I'm not a rambler. My leadership style is to listen and analyze and then be a responsive leader. The role of council person is to look at all the, uh, the opinions and the facts that are in front of you and to work as a team together. I have fantastic interpersonal communication skills. I'm very receptive. And that's, that's what my strength is, sitting, sitting at a, a table and speaking out on random questions is maybe not my strongest suit. Um, so thanks for considering me for the Basalt Town Council seat. I will work very hard. I will always be available to listen and to have a great conversation about it. I love being educated. That's what this position is about as well, is being an open, receptive learner and also having fun with it. And that's really what I want to bring to this process as well. Uh, after 12, uh, at, the, uh, at the end of this term in, in April, it, uh, it will be um, a 12 years in, uh, in public office for me at the, at the town of Snowmass Village, at Pickin County, and now in Basalt. And, uh, uh, and the uh, analogy that I was making with, um, with Spock is uh, actually, um, I have a track record. I mean, uh, over there, I, I was at the uh, Aspen, Aspen Hall of Fame dinner, and, and, and a bunch of the people there who have been so involved with the Valley for so many years came by and said, you're still in there. You're still uh, 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 trying to make order out of chaos. and. Uh, and fight the good fight. And uh, um, I have a track record. I have a voting record. Uh, I think everybody knows that I try to see the logical side of things and what the repercussions down the road, you know, will be. You can't say that you're uh, in favor of uh, a controlled growth and then vote against our only chance to get Ace Lane under our land use code. It's not logical. I mean, you can't say you're, uh, you're for the schools and you're for affordable housing, and then with the superintendent of schools in the room begging you to help them keep teachers, vote against affordable housing for um, the, the school district. It's not logical, Captain. I'm sorry. Don't fire your phasers. Uh, I have a track record. I have a voting record. Logic, sensible, and what is the repercussion of your vote or, uh, or that evening at the council meeting? Is it taking you towards your goal of this, uh, of this great town where people can live and work and raise their kids? Or is it going the other way? And, and uh, I don't need to pad my resume at this stage of my career, but it's, uh, it's unfinished business, and I'd like another four years. Thank you. Okay, we'll come over to Auden. Oh, that's right, yes. Okay, thank you for coming tonight and hanging out to the bitter end. Thank you, <laughs> counselors uh, and candidates. I have a, uh, uh, 
platform flyer out there. Robin, I don't know what you did with it, but it, you should be able to grab it on your way out. Please do. That'll sum up my positions. My position is very straightforward. I'm going to support compact, sensible density in the town core, and I'm going to oppose sprawl. That's basic, good urban planning. Um, as a person, though, uh, I want to tell you that the phrase I hate more than anything is, let's just agree to disagree. When you hear that, the other person is entirely discounting what you've said and hasn't listened. I'm not going to agree to disagree with you. I'm going to try to put myself in your shoes and understand your position, and I'll make a decision from that perspective. And I'm also going to insist that we consider each other as people who have the best interests of the community at heart. When I was younger, I'd pigeonhole people. Oh, that's the radical environmentalist. That's the crazed developer. I don't do that anymore. And I've had a number of very, very useful conversations with people who I consider to be on the opposite side of the spectrum before. I think this all comes together with some of the pressing issues we have in front of us. The pan and fork is being pitted as growth versus, versus conservation. And it's not. If you talk to the different sides, everyone agrees there should be some level of development. Maybe it's 50,000 square feet to ensure vitality and to grow the future in basalt. Same with Clark's parcel. I'm so encouraged to hear that there's talk about how we develop that. We need to develop it and we need to uh, put density there. Um, I think I'm asking for your vote. I can guarantee you that if I'm elected, we'll have fun, we will make progress, and our grandchildren will look back on us and our work and say, how could they have had such vision? <laughs> Wouldn't make it. Thank you all for coming, and thanks to the chamber again. A true leader has a genuine love for his people and cares about the quality of life. I think I've demonstrated that through my past actions over the years that I've been, lived in this community. I've spent most of my adult life working to make my community the best place there is to raise a family. I'm a better listener than I am a talker, and I am a doer. I will be polite, respectful, and available to discuss whatever you'd like to talk about. I was able, unable to run for council four years ago due, due to term limits. During this time, I've seen the community become divided and large debt being incurred by the town. My experience, history, compassion, listening ability, and connections to the community will be valuable in uniting result. Once again, I will be active in creating a budget for the town that balances spending with income and provides a healthy reserve. Priorities on projects must be established by the town council and funding sources must be identified to fulfill the completion of these projects. Basalt has emerged as a destination for many visitors because of the location on two gold medal rivers, the Roaring Fork Club golf course, the mixture of fine businesses and restaurants, and the friendliness and the, the charm that is only basalt. I will support downtown businesses and Willett Center businesses, and we will work towards getting more visitors to our the town of Basalt. My decisions will be based on a balance of heart and intellect. If you think I'm the right person to represent you as a counselor, 
please vote for me on uh, April 5th. Thank you very much. Rick. Thank you. Just a couple quick things on the school district. Um, when I was mayor, our council negotiated an intergovernmental agreement with the Roaring Fork School District when Fred Wall was a superintendent to enable the community to use the school's facilities for its recreation programs. That was in 1996. We then went on to build the Field of Dreams and the baseball field in cooperation with the Colorado Rockies. We've been able to utilize those resources at the school for a long, long time, and that IGA has kind of been forgotten over the last several years, and I don't blame Matt Hamilton and Rob for having a different impression of it. The first Basalt Public Education Foundation was built and, just, and founded in about the mid-90s, led to the first Taste of Basalt event, and it was absorbed into the Roaring Fork School District's Public Education Foundation. So there's been an ongoing mission in the community by parents and teachers and, and the council to always recognize that the school district partnership was important. And you know you can see the results. We also paid for and extended the infrastructure out to the Basalt High School that allowed that to be built, which is beautiful, by the way. If you ever go out there and sit in the bleachers, it's awesome. Uh, the UGB was designated in the 2000, I think, master plan update, or maybe the 96, that, that defined the area that we wanted to grow into. Unfortunately, other things came down the road to us. We didn't have the political will to pursue development out at the south side. Um, I've lived in affordable housing. I've raised two kids here. I really believe that we've been under uh, governance that's based on a transactional style of leadership, and I want to bring a transformational style of leadership. And you can look at the definitions on those on uh, thesearchinstitute.com. I really believe that as a leader, if you surround people, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you and you give them the tools to succeed, that we can go forward. It's not about who's sitting in the chair so much, it's about who's sitting in the chairs around them. Thank you. <laughs> this question about uniting the community and ensuring forward progress is a little bit to me like the question about the different parts of basalt in that um, when you actually go out there and knock doors, um, what I have actually found is, is that the community is not really disjointed or fractured. Um, they are more or less just confused about what they read in the paper, and they have a lot of questions about it. They have questions about what's happening downtown at Willits. Um, but the bigger picture is that they seem very content with their small town and would prefer that it remains a small town with great schools, lots of recreation, and local amenities. The concerns I hear are the same concerns we've heard in this room tonight. They actually express more concerns about the traffic. They really hate the traffic. They would like some place to live, and they would like daycare. Um, and so they're not so much fractured as a community as just wishing that these things would occur. Um, and we've already talked about the fact that these issues can only be served with government and private sector partners. I think all of us would agree that that's the direction we need to go. Um, and so with those partners, we need to make sure that we take care of those relationships and that they grow because they're very strong right now. As somebody mentioned, we have never had a relationship with Eagle County like we've got now, and it may not last forever. Um, one of the things that I see would really help us bring um, us closer to the community is taking government to the neighborhood level. 
Uh, it's a way to unite the community and connect people with their leaders. Neighborhood caucuses, similar to the caucuses that just occurred in our state and across the nation, are a direct way to communicate neighborhood vision to town leadership. If I am reelected mayor, I will take decisions such as the Pan and Fork, the Willicks ex expansion, and general master planning to the neighborhoods for their review and advice. This has been working in Pickens County since I believe the 70s. Uh, this approach brings governance to the people and pr promotes engagement at a fresh level. Thank you. <laughs> so, I'd like to commend all of the candidates this evening for being so diligent in following their 90-second limits and two-minute limits, and it's allowed us to really get a lot of questions in front of you, and I think give you all equal opportunities to speak. And we really want to thank all the candidates, those who are currently serving or who have served in the past, and the new entrants into this council race for their time, their willingness to serve. All of us have strong opinions and issues on the issues affecting our community, but every one of these individuals has stepped up and done more than just offer an opinion. They have shown that they're willing to put in the hours into research, listening to your opinions, and hopefully in the future making decisions that are important for our collective future. So I think we should thank all the candidates with a resounding applause. Thank you. And can we just thank the, Ch the Basalt Chamber of Commerce one more time for putting this together and bringing us together? This podcast was brought to you by the Grassroots Community Network. Check out more of your favorite programs, browse our video on demand, and subscribe to our social media channels at www.grassrootstv.org.